Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Jeremy Smith and Peter Rutzler. After gorging on European football midweek, Liga was a little bit of a light bite this weekend with just 15 goals from all of the 10 games. Somehow we'll make a show out of all that action, but we'll have your questions at the end as well after the latest headlines. Bordeaux started this weekend off with a bang, winning Friday's fixture away to Toulouse 1-0 thanks to Malcolm's third goal of the season. On Saturday, Monaco returned to winning ways with a 3-0 win over Strasbourg, with a double coming from Ligue 1's top scorer, Radamel Falcao. Saint-Étienne squeezed past Dijon with a 1-0 victory after being awarded a somewhat questionable penalty, while not won for the third time in four games, with the exact same scoreline of 1-0, this time dispatching Con. The single-goal scoreboard trend continued throughout the multiplex on Saturday, with Gangomp snatching a win in added time at home to Lille, and Pedro Mendes's header saw Montpellier overcome Troyes. Marseille have two-goal hero Clinton and G to thank as the Cameroon international helped them halt their slide with a 2-0 victory in Amiens. While Mets finally got off the mark, as did new striker Nolan Roux, as they took all three points from the Stade Raymond Copa against Angers, while Mario Balotelli scored his third goal in two games to help Nice beat Rennes. In Sunday's late match, two own goals handed Paris Saint-Germain a 2-0 win over Lyon at the Parc des Princes, with an early penalty shout for the visitors turned away in a very competitive display. And that's all for your news. But remember, to keep up to date with everything French football news related, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with Sunday night's encounter between Paris Saint-Germain and Lyon. Uh, some called it the kangaroo derby, but we'll leave that <laughs> to them. Uh, many saw this as the title favourite's first big test, and two goals helped them inch past the post. But, Jez, don't they always say that the best teams in leagues win even when they don't play well? Uh, yeah, I think that's probably... Uh... Um, it's become a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. It's it, it does often seem to be the case, and Sunday was a, a perfect example. Um, PSG were certainly not at their best. Lyon were excellent. I think probably the, the, the certainly the best they played this season. I'd say, um, but PSG came out on top. I think a mixture of, um, as you said, that. Um, a dodgy referee call early in the match, um, bad luck on Leon's part, and hitting the crossbar with a, with a fantastic shot um, with with Dariola well beaten, and very good luck on on PSG's part with a with a couple of own goals. So let's talk about PSG's performance really first, Peter, and and. It was kind of middling. We, again, we saw the four-two-three-one formation that we've seen against Mets the other week as well. What did you think to their overall performance? Were they maybe, after a bit of a free-flowing motion from their attacking players, this one a bit of a, a weaker, maybe more confused performance? Yeah, I would go along that lines, I think. Perhaps not confused. It felt a little bit like they're a little bit unfamiliar. It was a bit stifled. I think one thing that one of the big debates that's been had about um, PSG since they brought in the big names in, in Neymar and, and Mbappe is where they're all going to fit in. And we saw at the start in, in Mbappe's first display, he was sort of playing behind Cavani. But now we're looking at with Draxler in the middle and then Mbappe played on the right, just as Didier Deschamps did for France. And it, it doesn't look like at the moment that that's really getting the best out of him. Um, I also seems a bit like Neymar, his his uh, his peak, his um, his his, his uh, bright start has sort of dimmed a little bit since Mbappe's arrival. It's almost as though there's another star on the side, and it's bringing them bringing him down. And not quite a notch, you see, to the fancy touches and, and whatever else. But it seems a bit like they're a little bit more stifled. It was like with Mets. I mean, 
the final score 5-1 was not a reflection of the game as, as, we, as you guys were talking about last week um, and it was only after the red card that they went on and, and tore them apart and this week they weren't going to get that against a much more a very well organised Leon side uh, they knew their roles very very well they shut down the wide areas as well as centrally Draxler was very much a passenger he was unable to get involved in the game he found himself dropping quite deep to get on the ball um, and I think, yeah, it was a little bit of a case of being stifled. And I mean, you know, as you said it before, at the start of the of the pod, you know, the best teams win, um, even when they're not playing well. So that's 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 definitely something for them to take. But I I do feel like there was a sense of perhaps unfamiliarity. You know, we've got a lot of big new names coming in. But yeah, on the whole, I feel they were there was a little bit of disjointedness. And I think really they were missing Verratti. I mean, the, the, the fluidity that they had against Celtic midweek came a lot through him. And when a game is as tight as it, as it was against Lyon, they've, they've compacted the space. You need to stretch teams. And they've got the Arsenal to do that. Mbappe is definitely a, 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 one of the best players around to be stretching teams. And Neymar can do that as well. So without Verratti, Verratti's um, his vision, his, his length of pass, I think they struggled a little bit. And I think if you put Verratti in for Draxler in that game, perhaps you have a different, a different result. But... Yeah, it was a bit stifled, I felt. Um, but I think a lot of credit must go to Leon as well um, for how well they did. And they're unlucky. I, they felt very unlucky. Let's focus in on the Germans' performance, Chairs. And he looked a little bit lost, really. There is an argument that Peter's made excellently that we, if Ferrati wasn't suspended, he would probably be in there. You, you've also got to take into account that Pastoria wasn't available as well. But. Are they trying to sort of shoehorn him in, being that expensive player that they've they've bought recently that they need to try and give game time to? That that was the first. This was the first match where I felt maybe that was the case. Um, I mean, if if all the rumours are true, they would have been happy to have um, sold him if they'd got um, the right price in in the summer. Um, but I just with the. With all the players that were out, it was Verratti and Pastore, as you said, Di Maria as well. Um, I, I'm not sure that Emery got his tactics right. I think he should have stuck with a 4-3-3. And um, I mean, personally, I'd have gone with um, Lo Celso, Lo Celso in there um, as a sort of spearhead of the three in the absence of Verratti and Pastore. Um, and I mean, arguably that. The fact that he came on and sort of won the game with his move for the for the first and goal um, kind of maybe backs that up a little bit. But I think the problem with the midfield was not only uh, that Draxler was a bit of a passenger, but also the kind of player he is. He wasn't giving any support to to Mota and Rabiot. Mota, as you all know, is sort of aging. He's not going to be perf- um, performing well week in week out especially having played in midweek as well and Rabio, i really not sure emery did him a favor i mean by all he clearly wasn't fit had to have pain killing injections beforehand and ended up i mean it, it felt like at times he was sort of manning the psg midfield by himself which you know they they got away with it on sunday but at some point if if they're continuing to play him when he's injured they're they're risking him either um, getting a serious injury or um, you know, at, at best, kind of burning out early in the season, which, which isn't a good thing considering obviously the the bigger targets that they've got to come later um, later next year. Um, so yeah, I think Emery maybe missed the trick there, and <clears throat> possibly it is in in an attempt to keep Draxler happy. Presumably, if Draxler knew that they were trying to get rid in the summer. Then they've, you know, they sort of got some brownie points to make up with him, but um, I think he's he generally more effective coming in from the wing, and um, yeah, certainly he didn't seem up to kind of running the game from that central position on Sunday. Yeah, and it also makes you think if if Rabiot was in that scenario, why they didn't try someone like Christopher and Cuckoo who had had good moments last season and I think he's a, a decent player and when you've got rid of Blaise Matuidi you maybe need to use that depth a little bit more in these kind of games although I, you can argue that Leon's a tough game and they've they've got a midweek off which will help them recover a little bit but Jez touched on him briefly there Peter and it's I did want to talk about uh, Giovanni Lo Celso who's maybe been 
lost in the shuffle of the amount of attacking talent they have brought in and, and others big names that uh, they've talked about. But he's a, he's a very young, talented young lad who, who they brought back in back in January. And they've shown him in glimpses, and this was maybe the first time we've seen him really affect a game so so brilliantly as he did against uh, Kenny Tete, who had kept Neymar in check throughout the first half at least. Yeah, I mean, he did. He made an instant impact. It was a, it was a great turn. He, he sold uh, Kenny Tete down <laughs> down the river. But I, I, I do feel like he's, he's a great option for, for Emery to have. And it's good to see that he's keeping him um, in touch with the first team and he's using him. And he clearly, he, he is capable of, of, of making the, the step up um, to, for more regular game time. I feel, I feel his impact against Lyon was down potentially to fatigue. Um, Lyon, of course, played midweek. Kenny Tete, Kenny Tete, as we were just saying, he's been up against Neymar all all evening. Um, he switched off. Celso sold him, and 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 one and uh, Cavani deflects it in off uh, off Marcelo. So yeah, I, I think the Celso is a great option. I think I think it was described as a joke in the pack by by one outlet. So and I, I think that's a nice. Nice way of describing him. He's definitely a different option. He seemed much more comfortable in the middle. He, his movement was more uh, was more investigative. Um, he, he's clearly technically proficient, um, and he's a good option for them to have. So, yeah, I, ho- I hope we see more of him, really. Um, and he isn't cut out completely. It's hard to see how he's going to get uh, as much game time with the big names. They've got to come back. Um, but as, if, as long as he's on the books... Um, longer term, potentially for PSG, could be an option. But for now, I, I mean, with, with the squad congestion, it's it's difficult to see where he gets um, those opportunities. I think I'd, I'd definitely um, with everyone fit, I would say he doesn't get certainly doesn't get near um, the starting berth. But um, I think he's a he's a perfect replacement for Pastore if his injury problems continue. Problem is, Pastore also wasn't necessarily a, a, a definite starter. Um, but I agree that sort of at the moment he looks a better, looks more as, as a kind of impact player. But that might just be because he hasn't had the chance to start a game and, and show what he can do throughout. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, the, at the end of last year, the flashes he showed against Saint Etienne and Bastia were were fantastic. And I just think possibly in a match against Lyon, which is is always going to be sort of relatively frenetic. Um, PSG might have been able, might have sort of benefited from someone like him. He's just he's able to just keep his foot on the ball. Um, I mean, obviously Neymar can with his dribbling skills, but he plays at a much faster pace. I don't think it would have been such a bad thing to have Los Celso as a kind of foil, just um, slowing things down, maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, giving giving Rabiot a breather. <laughs> yeah, and looking at this side, really, you look at the likes of Lucas as well and, and Di Maria because he can play on those wider positions and I include Draxler and Pastore in that where they're very very good players but they're all probably looking at that exit door is Lo Celso maybe that one because he's younger he's obviously a little bit he doesn't really have the experience of European football really yet maybe he's a great player for them to to push forward as their next player to really have an impact off the bench and then maybe in a, in a couple of years we say Cavani maybe in his mid well, early to mid 30s Maybe he gets moved on. Maybe Mbappe moves in the middle, and maybe there's a spot there for us also to to slot into. It. Maybe, that's, that's obviously denying that PSG maybe look for to try and buy someone else as they tend to do. But if you were, if you were if at least future planning, it might be a something then for them to consider. But before we talk about Leon, I, I do want to mention a couple of things that are surrounded uh, PSG over the last day or so as well. Um, and the first one comes from that game actually, and it was a strange moment between. Uh, Neymar and Cavani for the penalty the the uh, the, Urugu- the Uruguayan went on to miss. Um, it was strange, Jez. With it was a bit of the Brazilian contingent with Dani Alves taking the ball, passing it to Neymar. That the, him and the Uruguayan had a bit of a squabble about taking the penalties because it looks like Cavani's the usual penalty taker and he has taken all their penalties. But Neymar is the pseudo new face of Paris Saint Germain. What do you think to this whole scenario? Is it is it just one of those things, or is it maybe a worrying trend that the player power, especially in PSG, might be uh, overbearing on some of them and uh, on uh, Unai Emery, who has said that the players need to sort it out themselves? I think it's uh, it's one to keep an eye on. I mean, it, 
it could be one of those things that blows over but i do get the sense that it um it could be something more than that especially when you look at it in terms of um passes during the match there's there's all these stats that have come out today saying you know how many that between neymar and mbappe there's loads of passes to each other and both of them practically cut um cavani out of the equation i think he received two passes altogether um from the two of them during the match um i think you know again when when they're beating um celtic 5-0 and they're putting five past past mess it's easy to everyone's happy everyone's getting um their share of the of the goals um there's no problem but the fact is that there are some very big egos there which isn't a criticism i think you put you know to to get to the top of, of the world game like that you have to have big egos um but i think there is the potential for clashes there seems to be the potential for cliques with cavani seeming seemingly a little bit isolated i think mbappe is probably a little bit starstruck in terms of neymar at the moment and you know neymar is the big name what he says goes i wouldn't be surprised if suddenly he's the one taking on penalty duties whatever emery says in the press <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to imagine this in the Ibrahimovic era, really. I think the Swede would have headbutted both the Brazilians if they were doing that to him. <laughs> I don't think that, that would not have gone down well with him. Um, let's talk about the other one, really, Peter, and that's uh, involving Levin Kazawa, who's had a poor start to the season. He come off on this one as well for Yuri to replace him. But there's reports of him being blackmailed for a video... I don't want to say similar to Aurier because it's, it's a little bit unfair because Aurier's was... Certainly more foul mouth laden than uh, than Kazawa's is reportedly being where he uh, maybe diminishes Deschamps, the the French team manager. But he did ring him about this incident, warning him if it did come out, which at least puts a little bit of a positive spin on it. But it's another sign of immaturity from this this young footballer, isn't it? Yeah, we were talking uh, before we came on air about how he's. Uh... He's not exactly in a position to be bad-mouthing the French coach after his recent performances. Um, yeah, it's another example of, of, of immaturity. Um, there was the example, of course, when he was, was it dabbing against, for the under-21s? Um, That's what you used to call it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's these kind of things that um, they, they, they mount up, and obviously for, for, for Aurier, he's got a second chance with, with Spurs. I mean, I, I don't think it was as bad as that. And he's done the right thing by, by contacting Deschamps before. Um, obviously not, not gone into paying anything like this. So, I mean, in terms of how he's dealt with it, he's dealt with it quite well. So we have to give him credit for that. But, you know, he's, he's got to be more careful than finding himself in a shisha bar, bad-mouthing the, the French national coach when his position is, in, well, is very much under fire at the moment. Absolutely. And if you ever see Kazawa, it is your duty to dab at him because it is one of the funniest football moments in history. You have to do it. Um, he deserves every moment of that. And let's move on to Leon really now because they were excellent last night. And they, I did say on the preview show, I was worried they might be a bit more negative. They might try and pull out one of those front four jazz that have been so exciting at times, at least this season, to try and be a little bit more solid. But they were really dynamic and, and excellent and a couple of chances here and there, a couple of moments where maybe something goes their way a little bit better, especially that penalty early on at least anyway. And this could have been a completely different game. Um, I think Marseille got ahead of a lot of stick when they lost to Monaco 6-1 the other day, not just because of the score, but because they blatantly set out for a nil-nil. And there were a lot of Marseille fans who were kind of like, we're Marseille, we don't do that kind of thing. You know, we're a big club. It's embarrassing that we're we're sort of making ourselves look small compared to these upstarts. And I think there was an element of that with Lyon that um, you know that they're, they're not for them to sort of um, part the bus right from the start. Um, the thing is that the way they've been playing up till now, beforehand, you just said well, that you know it's suicide to. to um, open up and try to to take PSG on at their own game, but they were fantastic. And um, I think up till now they've looked like a lot of individual parts trying to to play as a team. There's obviously a lot of newcomers, big 
turnover from last year and it's um it's always going to take a while for for players to get used to playing playing with each other but this is the first time they they really looked you know all sort of singing from the the same hymn sheet and um it was it was excellent to see that instead of there's been a couple of times this season where it's felt a little bit like you know a bit of skill from fakir has kind of hidden some some collective blushes but this time everyone was um everyone performed well and i was particularly impressed with the the defense and you know again on paper it looks a bit silly to say so considering they were two own goals but they really were both um bad luck but i thought that the back five lopez had had a great game but i thought the the back four also looked good um morella marcello in the middle but especially mendy and tete um at fullback you know they're, they're sort of the younger models of of rafael and marcel but i thought they came came out a lot better than those other two have in their matches this season yeah, and whoever thought that Morel would make a great centre-back in, with his size and how he defended as a left-back. But I agree, Kenny Tete was absolutely terrific. Other than that turn from Los Celso, which in fairness is probably still spinning from facing Neymar all game, but he was absolutely terrific. But a real standout performance, Peter, was the debut of uh, former Ami Amnon, uh, Tangi Undombele. He was effervescent, is maybe the right way to put it. Yeah, I think it's it would be fair to say that he put the the frame of uh, PSG in the shade really with how he how he performed. It's it's it, it it looked like it looks like with Ndombele, it looks like a really really good signing. I mean, he what he's providing is definitely an upgrade on Dada, but it's it was the way he was able to move transitions for Leon from defense to attack with the ball both at his feet and with his distribution. Um Obviously, in the in the sixth minute, he should have won a penalty, and why the referee hasn't given it, don't know. Um, but he was excellent um, going back defensively, uh, marshalling the midfield, going forward, his mobility, um, and I mean, this is a player that you know. I think uh, Olas came out and said, oh, "I've been watching him for a while," but he hasn't really been on the radar. I mean, he had a good season last last year with Amiens. Um, they got promoted. He got he's got a fair few assists and a goal. Um, he's only just got his first French under twenty one call ups this season. Um, but he's what a way to announce yourself in your debut at the Parc des Princes to run the midfield like he did. And that thunderbolt of an effort was absolutely fir- like first class. Like the technique on that strike is is it's difficult to teach. So it looks like Leon have got a real gem on their hands, and I, I, he was outstanding. And there's, a, there's plenty of videos going around of how well, of his performance and how well he did, and all of it is merited. And for for someone so young, they, it bodes very very well. Yeah, I don't I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but he he kind of in not in his performance or how he plays or anything like that, but the the move from a smaller club where he had good performances, and I've watched him a few times before the move, and I, I thought he looked a very good player, but. He maybe flew under the radar. It does remind me a little bit of that Thomas Lamar move we saw a few years ago when he was at Caen and wasn't really necessarily pulling up trees. We saw the move to Monaco and some were like, is he good enough for that level? Is he really going to make that step up? And they absolutely blessed it out of the water. Um, he could be that kind of player that maybe just needed the platform to really become a a, a top class, well, not world class player because that's maybe pushing it a little bit too far, but reach that next level. And uh, he does seem like an excellent buy. He was excellent with with two sides. It's a great mix in that midfield. But I, I do want to pick on someone in that front four, uh, Jez, who's he's disappointed me in the past. Is maybe the nice way to put it. But it, he's continued to sort of frustrate, and that that's Memphis Depay. I mean, Fakir was excellent again. Uh, Bertrand Traore has great transition play, especially and, and great pace, and added a lot to them. And Mariano Diaz has scored plenty of goals. He's he's a threat at all times. But is he maybe the weak link on that left hand side in the pie? Who's who's not really? He loses the ball fairly often. He doesn't tend to try and attack his fullback at all. He, he he's always looking to come inside. Is that maybe somewhere where you look at someone like Corne, who had who had good spells last season, maybe should be starting over him? Um, 
I mean, you'll have more insight than me as a United fan, but I've never been convinced about him. I don't, I've, I don't know what the fuss is about. Okay, he scored that wonder goal last year, but um, for Leon, but I just, I've never thought he's anything other than average, maybe a tiny bit above average. Um, I didn't find it a particularly exciting signing when when Leon brought him in, and nothing he's done so far has made me change my mind. I'm afraid. Um, Corne, he sort of divides the fans. He blows hot and cold. Um, I've got a bit of a prejudice against him because of because of the way he left Mets. But at least you know, even even when he's he's doing something wrong, at least he's just trying something, take taking risks, which you know half the time will work. You know, trying to get to the byline, cut the ball back. I think a better scoring record than Depay as well. I'd say, yeah, give him a go. I, I'd rather, I think I'd rather see him in the team than, than the pie. Yeah. I, I do sometimes feel sorry for Memphis because he was excellent with the Dutch national team at that time where he broke through as well at at, at PSV, but he just has seemed so one-dimensional. And I don't know if it was the, the move to Manchester United that sort of inflated his head or and that, that he never really tried to develop any more from there but it's it's so frustrating to see a player that again we see this often enough anyway that so, such talent and just not really fully realizing it for for one reason or another but to be honest apart apart from the goal from the halfway line last year I'm trying to think of another great Leon moment and the only one I can yeah. think of is the tweet he sent about um, lions eating fish before the L'Oreal match, and L'Oreal beat Lyon. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that one. It's, I, I I can't think of a winger in football that tends to try and do the same trick and then lose the ball as often as he does. And I, I still can't understand why Bruno Genesio went. Oh, I'll not take him off first for Corne. I'll bring off Diaz instead. That makes sense, but we'll never know. Unfortunately, Let, let's head on now to another game and forget about Wal Grigg, who in fairness. Many have really, because it's Radamel Falcao now who's on fire, and defences are rightfully terrified. Nine goals from ten shots on target this season, Peter. Um, surely there can't be any question now from those that still call France a farmers league and the rest of it that the real El Tigre is back and back with a vengeance. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, the predatory instincts are are definitely back on show from Falcao. I think obviously his games. I think his game is slightly adapted. Um, I wouldn't say he's exactly the same explosive forward as he was before. He's become a lot more cute, a lot more intelligent with his movement. All of these attributes he had before, but they, these have been accentuated. And obviously, as you said, nine goals from 10 shots is, is, is sensational. Um, I think it's a new record, nine goals from six match days, I think, in Liga. That's a, so, and they've needed him as well. It's, it, with the departure of Mbappe, the the onus has fallen on on someone else to to take the limelight essentially, and he stepped up to the mark. And um, of course, you, we could go back to this time last season and think, how on earth has this happened? If we were at this point, um, and maybe it's familiar familiar surroundings. Um, who knows? But I mean, last season he still netted twenty one goals. Um, obviously, Mbappe's like probably overshadowed that a little bit, um, but he seems like he's raised his game again. Um, He's taken on that mantle of being you know, the main outlet. Um, I think Stevan Jovetic will be a good partner for him. Um, well, the one concern I would have is that I know that Jovetic, I don't see Jovetic as being a fast, pacey forward who can get him behind. Um, that could, at some point, um, pull them up. But, and I don't think Falcao has the same pace since his, his knee injury. But, I mean, in the air, I mean, if we look at his goals that he's scored, he's scoring headers. Um, Really good at getting in the right place at the right time. Uh, and really good finishes as well. I mean, the, the second goal against Strasbourg at the weekend was was excellent technique. Um, I mean, he was gifted it by Mongan, who's having all sorts of problems. But um, to, I think it's definitely safe to say he's back to what can we can say is near his best. Um, a predatory El Tigre, I would say, um, with a slight adaptation to his new... His new uh, Sitchi. Yeah, his link up play with Jovetic was really interesting in that one. I, I thought they, they linked together really nicely and, and he obviously sets up Ronnie Lopez's goal as well with an excellent little pass for, after a nice little 
quick run behind and he's scoring all different types of goals it's the classic poachers goal just in front of the net he had one disallowed and like you mentioned his second was good anticipation of the defender making a mistake and really really punishing him with a fantastic finish but Jez after those loan spells in England where he was indifferent in Manchester United we never really saw him at Chelsea at all did you ever see this recovery ever happening even though obviously he's had to return to Monaco for it which some, some see as a downgrade but it felt like in those moments that it was the end of Falcao Can you hear me? Uh, you cut out a little bit. I can now. Yeah, yeah. sorry about that. If I've, I've cut out that moment. I, I was saying, uh, did you ever see this coming from Falcao returning to this this kind of form? Um, no. I, I thought, I, I agree with Peter. I think his, his, sort of, his peak was um, probably Atletico Madrid. And then even his, his half season at Monaco when he first arrived with all the bad injury. I think his stats were kind of hiding not necessarily brilliant play and then united and chelsea he really looked like he was completely finished um you know it's probably wrong place at the wrong time as well which didn't help but he just he looked completely past it um last year and even more so this year he's looked he's looked absolutely fantastic um as you both said not the same player but using his experience so cleverly um, in terms of his movement, his hold-up play, um, I'd even say um, captaincy. You know, he there's some captains who are sort of um, quiet, maybe lead by example rather than sort of any shouting or anything. He he looks like he's sort of rousing the troops all the time. You can see him sort of geeing geeing other players on that kind of thing. Um, arguably, a, a perfect kind of captain for what is. Um, always a very young team. Um, I loved his his assist for for Lopez at the weekend, and as you said, although it came about from a big uh, big Strasbourg error, his finish for the second goal, just the way he just powered it past the keeper, was um, was great to see. And he looks like he's really enjoying himself. I just I've always I always thought first season oh, after the injury with United and Chelsea. Ew, Part of it always felt like some kind of soul play. He was carrying this big injustice on his shoulders. It wasn't meant to be like this. I was meant to kind of have an easy season at Monaco, score 30 goals and then move to Real Madrid. And that never happened. And, um, I think now he's sort of come to terms with um, where where he's at in his career. Um, Realised that being Monaco, being at Monaco, no taxes, nice weather, all that kind of thing isn't so bad after all. He's got a league winner's medal now as well, still playing Champions League. Um, and I think he probably realises he's actually really in quite a nice position and is sort of relishing the the responsibility that he's got as well as um, what is a fantastic goal-scoring record so far. Yeah, and I, I think the moment in that game as well that prompted me to to chat about him this evening was the it was very early on really and it was a chance he had in the first five minutes where they go down the wing and City Bay plays a nice little sort of back heel pass to him and because Falcao's running to the box but then taking a movement outside and he, he really hammers one and it's it's a very good strike he's just a little bit unlucky that he's lifted it a little bit too high because he's seen so many players in front of him but at that moment with that quick little bit of movement where everyone else was in the in the six yard box and he just drifted a little bit outside of it was reminding me there yes that's that's the the striker we know and love um let's talk about monaco's result a little bit and let's touch on that really uh peter after a good draw in leipzig so they can they can take that but a really humiliating <coughs> defeat in the Cote d'Azur derby last week it was important for them to get back on the horse in this one wasn't it yeah it was very important for them to get back on the horse as you say so um yeah, it was a good result midweek against leipzig or a really good team um and you know I think they were a little bit fortunate in that, um, obviously, the second goal is offside. It's definitely a game-changing goal, the second goal. Um, and the third is also a gift. So, I mean, the, the result is what, is what matters. And they, they have bounced back well. They, they seem like... They, they, I think they've made... We've discussed this um, endlessly about the, the additions they've made and how they've set up. And 
and against lesser teams like Strasbourg, it, it really allows them to play, you know, with George pushing down on the left side. He loves to do that. And Sidibe, um, it sort of masks his defensive naivety. So when, when, they, when, when they're playing against the lesser teams, they do well and they're very good at picking them apart, which we, which we saw. I think um, Strasbourg might be a little disappointed. I think Ahulu missed a really good chance early on at the back post. Um, and, you know, I think from their perspective, they've got to win their home games if, if they want to uh, have any chance of staying up. Um, I feel like they, they're not really a team that has the technical ability to, to outplay sides. Um, when they beat uh, Lille, that was all based on passion that they got from uh, Le Maynard. Um, so, yeah, from, from their perspective, they, they, they want to do that and obviously try and cut out the Mongan. Uh, mistakes which just seem to be endless at the moment and they're, they're, they're really holding them back quite a bit so uh, but yeah I think for, for, for Monaco it is important to, to get the three points three goals comfortable um, it's a good confidence boost and, and get back on track just just very quickly on Monaco, it's something that's always impressed me that sometimes is lost in the in the shuffle of them and shuffle of a lot of big teams really is the way they really take apart weaker teams in the league and make sure that they always seem to pick up the three points, it was especially apparent last season and they've done it several times this season as well. Do you think that is what makes them such an excellent team, really, that you always say that these kind of games are give me's, but Monaco always makes sure that they get a, not just a result, but a good result in these kind of games? Yeah, I, I don't know if it's a sort of... Um... A conscious thing. I don't know if it's Jardim saying, you know, there's no sort of shutting up shop once we've got a two-goal lead or whatever, you know, play to the 90th minute. Or last year, a lot of the time, it just felt like it was youthful exuberance. They were enjoying playing together, enjoying sort of setting each other up, scoring goals for fun. And so they just kept going and going and, you know, scoring six, seven goals at a time. Um, I think it's it's probably a good positive attitude to have going into more difficult matches as well and certain, certainly breeds a lot of confidence um you know it, it feels a little this this season so far that they're not that they're flattering to deceive but all the stats are better than this time last season but i'm not sure that they're playing as good football as they were at that time and and i think post post strasbourg match jardin pretty much said, you know, we, we've been relatively lucky with our, with our fixtures so far. Um, but the fact that they are, Nice aside, beating the, the teams that are put in front of them, that they're putting six past Marseille, whatever kind of Marseille it is, it's always a good thing to do, um, means that, you know, as they're, again, the same as Neil, having this big turnover and, and getting used to playing with each other, um, the important thing is that they're still getting those wins and they're still um, breeding that confidence that's only going to sort of improve the spirit in the changing room, which you'd think will only speed up the process of them hopefully becoming the kind of team that they were last year, despite losing players like Silva and Mendy and Mbappe, obviously, as well. Yeah, it's great to see them getting back to winning ways and hopefully... Uh... They might push PSG for some of the teams can take some points off them. Time to focus on a team we've not really mentioned too much to start this season, but uh, Claudio Ranieri is really getting this not team <clears throat> moving, if it's maybe a little bit slowly. Um, they've won three of the last four, uh, keeping a clean sheet in all of those games as well, including a nil-nil draw with Leon. Although, yeah, some will argue that the three goals in those games is a little bit of a sign of weakness. But Peter, is he fine? Is the Italian finally getting something out of this squad? He's getting results out of the squad, yes. Um, I mean, if we contrast it with uh, last season and, and Conceição and that vibrant, explosive football, then we were looking at two very different sides. But he's, he's going back to what he knows, and that's defending Italian. Um, I mean, it's what Leicester's success was built on, and you can see where he's, he's coming from. I mean, with Leicester, of course, it was built on having an excellent keeper in Schmeichel. Um, and he's found one in Tatarasanu who looks an absolute steal for, for about two and a half million, I think, as the rumours in, in Euros, which is quite striking. He's, def he's been up there with, one, with uh, one of the best keepers so far this season, up there with, with Rufier, I think you could put there as well. Um, 
But yeah, Tatarasani has been excellent. Um, you've got he at Leicester. It was a uh, Hoofen Morgan, very straightforward centre halves. He's been relying on Palawai. Looks he's settled in very well um, since arriving from Bordeaux. Um, Diego Carlos as well is, is filled in uh, as well as others and. They have a very strong defensive back line, and that's reflected by the clean sheets. And Dubois, a right back as well, um, another name that they've managed to keep hold of, and who many thought would, would depart, but he hasn't, and he's done well. Um, but yeah, the, the issue lies in attack, and he, doesn't, he hasn't found the right formula yet. And I think looking at that, um, you, there are a number of, of things we can, we can discuss. I think Nakuma's uh, exile is one of them. Um, but I think when looking at how Nantes have done and how Ranieri has got them playing, uh, I, think, I think Adrian Thomason actually came, uh, his comments recently saying that the forwards are having less fun. And I think that's reflective of how Ranieri has approached uh, his job at Nantes. Um, after the 3-0 drubbing at the hands of Lille, he, he's gone back to what he knows and, and it's working. Um, the next couple of games, they've got Strasbourg away, the Mets at home, they're also winnable. So I mean, he could be racking up a fair few points in um, over the last month and into the into the next. So defending is where it's where he started, and I think for goals it it depends. I mean, last season it was Salah uh, and Nakuma who got who were uh, the main outlets for for Conte Sal. So obviously Nakuma linked with a move away, rumours of tension with Ranieri, um, and he's slowly feeding him back, but he's not one to. As much as he's known as a tinkerer, he won't want to upset the apple cart too much, Ranieri. Um, but Nakuma did come off the bench at the weekend, so potentially we could see him again. But whether he's going to change how he set up and go to two up top, I'm not, I'm not so sure. But yeah, defending is where it's at. Yeah, I think that might be a little bit too risky even now to put too many up front, especially with their defensive record. And like you mentioned, Tatarasanu has been absolutely sensational. What a Great little buy that was. Um, my question for you, Jez, really is: is they've they've started nicely and they've got a nice solid base there now with that defence and a, a decent enough in midfield. I know they lost. I mean, Harry, who started well in Germany as well, but Rangier is still a very good midfielder as well. Could a consistent goal scorer make this kind of team a European contender? Possibly. Possibly, I, I definitely think that the sort of defensive side is is the strongest side at the moment so um you know with with those kind of foundations there and the fact that they're they're going to be difficult to score against um you know as as we've seen so far with their season as long as you're not conceding you only need to nick um one goal or you know three goals all season so far to 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 do okay you know they've, they've scored the same number of goals as Mets but obviously the when you look at the other end of the pitch, that's why they're sort of quite near the top and Mets are still at the bottom. Um, so in that sense, you have to say, well, you know, a, a decent, reliable goal scorer and the only way is up. I just, I'm slightly cynical just because I think they've got, a, they've had, and as Pete said, the next two matches as well, they've had a spectacularly easy start to the season, really. Even the two matches they've lost, when you look at, Lille and Marseille season so far, they're not necessarily in, um, looking back, they're not sort of noble defeats against decent teams or anything like that. They're, they're kind of matches where they, they must think, well, looking at how other teams have played against them, maybe we should have got something out of that as well. So I, d I think we need to wait until they, they start playing some uh, stronger opposition to see what they're really made of. But um if they can keep that tight defensive record and find someone who's going to score them, you know, 10, maybe 15 goals a season, then they could be outsiders for Europe. But I, at the moment, I'd say I still think there's a good five or six teams that are a lot better than them. I think if they find a, a quick counter-attack style forward that can give them a little bit of a base there, they might might creep up the table later on. But I agree with you. They've, they've had a pretty soft schedule and they've got a couple of games left before the uh, the international break that still seemed pretty easy as well. So they, they at least will get the points on the board that will keep them safe because I was really worried for them for the start of the season. But it does seem like they're starting to turn things around. In time for our... It feels like three goals that they've scored, I think, from memory, they've all been sort of fantastic individual efforts. Hmm. Um, yeah. 
So it's not even like it feels that there's any kind of anything there sort of going forward as a team, um, which might be a concern as well. Yeah, Girotto's was a, a very excellent strike from from distance, but and they've scored a few of those this season that were maybe a tad lucky or a, a tad uh, thing. So they do. Oh, that, while I mention a goal scorer, it's not just to keep them maybe pushing for Europe, but keep them going and ticking over as well. Uh, time for our legal and snapshots really now, and I'll I'll start with you, Jess, because I'm almost certain there's one that you've probably been waiting to say for the entirety of the show. <laughs> um. Yeah, I've got to go for Mets finally getting their first win of the season. Um, I I didn't think it would be this week. Angers have started the season very well. They've been unbeaten, not necessarily. Um, I think they've only had one win, so in that in that sense, um, not too impressive. But they they prove themselves very difficult to beat. Um, so I certainly wasn't expecting to come away from there with three points, possibly one point if we got lucky and then um yeah to get to get to get the three is a great bonus um coming off the back of um monaco and psg in two of the last three matches where in both matches i think we've given a reasonable account of ourselves but come away with nothing and you know the pressure was really on especially the coach but the, the players as well so i'm hoping that's a real fillip they have to, have to, have to back it up with a win next week at home to Troyes. Um, you know, there's no point in sort of going away and getting points at, at Angers if you're going to mark up at home to one of the teams who, in the best, with the best will in the world, are definitely one of your sort of relegation rivals. But you know, if they do get six points in those two matches, then I feel that. Um, they should be able to kick on. I certainly don't expect them to be. Um, they're certainly not going to be challenging for Europe, but I do think that they should have the players to keep them up. But I think a lot of it is down to um, to the coach um, and to whether Ruben Rivier can somehow <laughs> muster enough goals between them to to keep them out of the relegation zone. Yeah, maybe I'm starting to feel maybe they're trying to prove me wrong at the moment those two with a, a goal and a game each for them so let's hope that they at least for your sake and your sanity just they can try and continue that um, Peter what's your snapshot this week I do love your, your optimism Jez I can't believe we just heard Mets and Europe in the same sentence <laughs> um, my snapshot comes from the Derby de la Garol. Um the, the great and the bad um, so first up, Malcolm. There's a great piece on the, um, the Get French Football News website, um, which talks about Malcolm. Uh, it's also on the Guardian, um, and he has been excellent this season. Um, and uh, again, he was the difference against Toulouse. Um, a wonderful goal. Um, was a constant threat for uh, in the uh, Toulouse back line, and I just wonder. I mean, his goal was excellent, but it's still not the best he scored. He scored obviously, they scored that. W- sensational equaliser against uh, Leon, and I just wonder if, if Malcolm's the man to catapult them to to uh, Champions League contention um, and then the bad from that game comes um, from Andy Delort for his free kick, it is definitely worth seeing it is absolutely horrendous um, do give it a, a Google yeah, I, I, what I also loved about Malcolm in that game is that I love his little moments where he uh, he tries to assert his authority in that moment where Depraver was put through and there was a chance to square it back to him. And he is in the goal mouth and absolutely going spare. He is not a happy chap here. But uh, instead, Depraver wanted to score his first goal. Don't take that away from him. Um, my, my league of snapshots, I, I always like a, a few. And uh, I picked out some nice, funny moments that I enjoyed this weekend. Um, one from the uh, Monaco game, uh, Daniel Subasi was uh, not on the field for this one. It was Benalio in net, so he was in the stands. But he did come down at the end to uh, help take some photos. So there's someone in the Monaco gallery of the uh, Croatian testing his potential future job after he hangs up his gloves. Um, they're not the best of photos, I might say, but he gave it a go. Um, the other one is uh, from the Rennes game and one of the, my favourite moments of pinball I've seen so far this season. Um, it involved Alassane player and the, and the uh, Ren goalkeepers. It, it comes in, player kind of hits it, it hits 
Ben Sabaini, who sometimes how keeps it in, player flicks it up a little bit. Uh, the goalkeeper punches it, it hits player in the face, and it goes away. It's it's a it's a wonderful moment where you're thinking the the straw the strike has missed a relatively decent chance there. The defenders kept it in play. The goalkeeper's t- trying to do something with it, and it uh, eventually ends up nowhere. But um, just to finish on, really I, thought, first, I thought it had come off. I thought it had come off the post. And it's no, only in yeah. the replay that I saw that he hit it back into player's face, basically. It absolutely cannons off him, doesn't it? As well, it, 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 I'm surprised he was standing. Really, credit to him because it was the, the commentator as well was determined that it was the post for a moment. But uh, the replay did show it cannoned off the uh, Frenchman's face. And very quickly as well, um, I do want to mention again. Unfortunately, Lille, who were really put to the post by Gangomp again, and it, it did take an absolute wonder strike from from Dido to put them away. But they really should have had the game signed, sealed and delivered before that. They're facing Monaco on Friday. Um, so if you want to batter it down the Hashins, if you if you uh, live in Lille or if you're a Lille fan, I, I would prepare maybe for the worst because they, if, if Monaco turn up and play how they can play and Lille play like they did at the weekend, they are in for one hell of a drubbing possibly. Um, and that might signal the end of Bielsa as well. He might think, well, that's him enough. And I, I saw you link a piece earlier, Jez, as well on him, and then maybe indulging him a little bit too much. And sometimes the fear with El Loco, isn't it, that uh, if you if you take a little bit too much of his advice on on board, as much of his disciples will probably mention as well, you may go crazy yourselves. And it seems like it might be heading that way again for Leo because they're just above that drop zone at the moment, and the way things are going with a difficult game like that and a couple of difficult games to come. I don't think he's going to stick around, you know. I, I think he's uh, about to go AWOL is maybe the way to kindly put it, maybe, for, for someone who's t- uh, had his moments in his career, Let's shall we say. Um, time for some viewers' questions now. We've got a couple on the pipeline, and we'll start for this one from Connor Ketley, and I'll, I'll send it to you first, Jez. Um, had, has Rudy Garcia shown that he can be the right man for Loam now with his tactical changes at the weekend where he you played Pae as more of a number 10, which was the fans were asking for and, and tried a couple of different things within G up front. I think he's proved in the past. I know that he's got his detractors and you know, certainly it didn't end brilliantly at Roma, for example, but um, he's proven in the, in the past that he is a good county manager and um, you know, I, I definitely think he deserves a bit more time. I'm not, I'm not, convinced that the problem is him I think the problem is the players he's got to work with um, I don't despite quite a lot of fuss at times over some of the some of the sightings that Marseille have made generally I, I don't think they've been particularly impressive um, I'd say more than any kind of tactical changes the biggest difference this weekend was that Luis Gustavo was back and um, showed a bit of calmness and, and leadership in the centre and um, I know um, it's one of my bugbears, but I'd say another big difference is that Evra wasn't on the pitch, which helps a lot as well, I think, if you're trying to keep a clean sheet. Um, I think Garcia will... There'll be a little mistake, but I think he'll he'll do as well as he can with, with what he's got to work with. But um, I don't... I don't think Payet is the player that he was. I don't think Montanda is the player that he was. Um, I think that's another telling thing. You know, two clean sheets with Pele in goal. Um, I think after the season he had last year, it was very harsh that he was benched, even though I understand um, <clears throat> why Mondonza comes back and goes straight in the first team. Um, I think a couple of moves like that, like Mondonza, like Evra even, um, I wonder if there's a little bit more sort of politics and it's more than just picking the best players um, to, to do a job for you. But um, if he's given free reign, um, I think he should. I think he is the right man. The only the only decision that I just constantly can't fathom is why he's letting Ocampos anywhere near the first team squad. But <laughs> other than that, I I you know I, I have faith in in him to do a reasonable job. I just think as usual he's working with. Um, expectations of fans who um, are still a little deluded in, in what what they think Marseille are capable of achieving right now. 
Yeah, I think I mentioned last week, uh, I want to get in touch with Ocampos's agent because I want him to manage my life because what he's done with the Argentinian <laughs> since he's left Monaco is a uh, minor miracles. If that, um, Another question here from Arian H, and I'll, I'll lend this one to you, Peter. Um, do you think that PSG should start playing some more of their players in their best positions rather than trying to shove their players into a system that they're not used to? For example, Mbappe maybe playing as a central striker in a, maybe a 4 4 2, or, or and like Draxler maybe playing as a left winger if he's right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we could do. We'll end up with four left wingers. So, I mean, it's, it's yeah. a difficult one for. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's he's got a lot of things to balance. He's got, I think, one of the things we've, we're touching on in the pod tonight was uh, egos, and I think that's potentially why Loscelso is uh, is given the opportunities. Potentially, maybe it's easier for Emery to 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 have a player like that who's not going to cause him any issues. But it's it's very very difficult to to for him. He's, he's balancing a number of interests. He's got to play Mbappe, Neymar, um, and another one of the, the, the plethora of talent. Um, is Mbappe, I think Mbappe can work as a central forward, 4-4-2 with Cavani, potentially, but what do you do with Neymar? And then it's, it's, I don't, it's a very difficult one. I, the, the simple answer is no, he can't. He can't play every player where they want to play because it's quite simply they have too many, especially in attacking positions. Um, defensively, there's no issue, of course, so. But yeah, it's 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 not that he probably wouldn't prefer to. It's just that it's just not possible. I don't think, he, unless he's uh, looking at very abstract formations and whatever else. It might bamboozle them if they played four left wingers. That'd be a you never know. It could be a new innovation. Yeah. Final question from uh, Mitch Money One B, uh, and it's to both of you really, and I'll, I'll give an answer as well. Uh, outside of the top, f- well, three or four teams, uh, which player do you think will become future stars? Um, we'll probably get this question more often than not with the uh, players like Usman Dembele in the past at Rennes, and uh, although he was at Monaco, obviously Mbappe being another one who's really shot to stardom. But who do you fancy to maybe take that next step in the next year or so, where uh, Jez? Um, we sat outside the top four, presumably we're counting Leon, Monaco in the top four. Yeah. Um, so it's a little um, bit harder. Yeah. But the thing is, there are, <laughs> there, there's literally dozens of them because hmm. France is so good at bringing these players through. Um, I suppose um, it's hard to look past a couple at Rennes. Um, Joris Nyanyo at centre-back I think is going to be uh, very big wherever he goes and I still think that Ismail Assar is a really great talent who who can go on to bigger and better things as well Um, who else I have to have a think Um, Peter do you want to inject with one while while we give her just some time to think yeah Yeah, I'd add to the Ren contingent with with, uh, Faitu Moassa I think he's been Excellent since he's joined. Um, he's been played all over the place by Gorku. Um, obviously, uh, uh, last season at Nancy, he was mainly left back slash left wing, but he's played on the right and he's played on the left, and he's looked very good. So I'd add him to that list. I hate these questions about potential because they're, they're, as as Chess says, there's so many. Um, potential is always potential, is that what I always say? I'll, I'll go curveball because I, I, I keep my eye on Strasbourg a fair bit, and I've quite liked uh, Isan Sako. He's played a, a few more games. Um, I think there's something there. Uh, obviously, it's very difficult in a side that technically isn't as strong. I, I think he could probably push a little high. I wouldn't say he could be uh, a world beater, but from what I've seen, he's he's got pace. He's, he's technically quite good. Um, got good technique as well. I think he smashed the crossbar against Gangon from about 40 yards. It was a sensational hit. Um, but yeah, I'll throw his name in the hat as well um, while I try and think of others. Jess? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention one more. Not necessarily a future star, but in terms of a player who I think like would be a probably a bargain um, for any Premier League team and think would do a fantastic job, I'd suggest that outside Jan Druf, who will always be my favourite, is possibly the most underrated player in the whole league at the moment, is um, Arnaud Suke at Nice. Um, I think he's a fantastic fullback. Um, really good attacking as well. I think it was was it 
midweek or last weekend, one of the goals that he made of the sort of slalom run through the centre of midfield, which right backs are not supposed to be doing um, or even capable of doing. They're sort of the the drummers of the team usually. Um, I think he could slot into any team, um, even the top teams in the Premier League, and, and do a very good job. Yeah, I, I was really impressed with how he filled in for Pereira last year's season. He was a superb right back himself, but they didn't really miss a beat when Suke was playing there, really. I, I've got four names I want to mention. I'll start with a very obvious one of Malcolm, which we everyone seems to mention at the moment. He's he's going to be a very good player, and he's showing that at Bordeaux at the moment. And then I've always got three names that I always think about, and I do like my defenders, so they're all <laughs> at least in the back five, and that's... I think Alban Lafont will be a sensational footballer. He's got great set shot staving ability. I think if he adds a little bit more bulk, much like David De Gea did in the in the past, and he's a little bit better at claiming crosses, he could be top five in the world, I think, in, in two or three years' time. I love Issa Diop as well at Toulouse. I think he's a terrific defender. He's got a little bit of everything. He has an excellent partnership with Julian, and, and I, I think he's going to make some sort of step up next season. I, I think there's no doubt about that. And uh, another player I've mentioned a couple of weeks ago as well, um, uh, although he let me down a couple of weeks ago with this very silly handball, but René Pierre gabriel uh, uh, Saint-Étienne is a, is a fantastic right-back who does a little bit of everything, which is what I love. He He's a good going forward. He's much better than a lot of young right-backs are at going backwards as well, which is, is much rarer to see, I think, which is why you should really be focusing a little bit more on him because... Uh, that's such a much more difficult thing to teach a young footballer to defend than it is to attack. And him having that already in his locker is going to stand him in good stead, as well as being able to play left back. So potential that he might, if he reaches the French team, he, he can help fill any of those gaps that have been real problem positions for France in the past. Um, I think we'll finish there. Um, that's all we have time for this evening. My thanks to Jez, Peter and everyone listening at home. Uh, join us for the preview show on Thursday and the main show. We'll be back here at the same time, same place next week. Abianto and goodbye.